ever since I was a kid being drilled in by my dad, he's my biggest supporter and my biggest critic. He's always been like on my case since I was young going like, you've got to make sure like you're offering value to the brand. The only reason anyone sponsors you is to sell board shorts. Like, so I've always been like pretty forward thinking, trying to like make sure I speak highly of brand and understand the products and understand how to promote them to the best of my ability. But I just felt like, like I was saying before, I just felt like I was completely underutilized. Okay, welcome or welcome back to the Map Life Podcast. I am Simon Williams, by day a mindset and performance coach, and by night I'm the creative director at the Stampede Trail. And the idea or reason I started this podcast was to take a trip into the treasure chest of high performance, world-class athletes and coaches, international artists, and seriously influential community leaders to discover the strategies that they use to achieve what they've achieved how they were able to walk the valley of shadows and overcome these challenges in their own lives and how they stay on top of their own mental health and wellness in order to live their most inspired life. Now, I've made sure that each conversation will offer you insights and tools to take away and implement in your own life for greater personal and professional achievement, happiness, and fulfillment. Now, if you're a fan of this podcast, the guests, the conversations, or the takeaway strategies that we are able to offer you by delivering these conversations hit subscribe or if you've already done that bounce it out to a few mates let them know what's going on in this podcast the more people that we can impact in a positive influential way the greater the opportunity they have of improving their lives for both achievement and happiness and ultimately fulfillment now for this podcast i've handpicked some brands with game-changing products that you can get your hands on to take your performance to the next level. Hybration Organics are an independent Aussie company. They are inspiring a community with their ethos and products. They are awesome. All ethically sourced chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, cacao, and maca from sustainable organic micro farms, meaning small batch, which also means their quality is unbeatable. Now, if you don't know the health benefits of some of these things, let me inform you right now. It's unbelievable. Chaga, the immune system support, it fights inflammation, slows down the aging process. Lion's mane, nerve repair in the brain, can reduce mild anxiety and depressive symptoms. Cordyceps can boost exercise performance, anti-aging, heart health. And maca, increased libido, energy, endurance, mood, helps fight free radicals. And all these shrooms are anti-cancer. Now, personally, I use their products on the regular. They're three pillars mushroom blend. I always put in my smoothies and my coffee. And I love the Incan Warrior with its blend of potent cordyceps and Peruvian maca. And their Focus Flow blend is as really as good as it gets as it sharpens the mind and opens the heart, which is great when you're coaching people to become more and achieve more with their lives. Now, to get your hands on some of these epic goodies, the legends over at Hybration Organics have given you, the MapLife family, a whopping 25% off your order. So head on over to the Hybration Organics website. That's H-I-G-H-B-R-A-T-I-O-N, Organics. That's H-I-G-H-B-R-A-T-I-O-N, Organics.com.au. And use the code MAPLIFE25, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E 25 at checkout. 
And then once you do that, jump on socials. Let me know of how that's impacted your life, how it's impacted your physiology. And let's let the good times keep on rolling. Okay, guys and girls, on today's show, I sit down with my good friend Cooper Chapman. He's a WQS surfer, as well as the founder of an incredible initiative called the Good Human Factory. If you've uh, been on social media, you've probably seen it blowing up all kinds of uh, athletes, artists, celebrities getting behind it, offering mental health tips, tools, and strategies. So in today's conversation, we go into the depths of the purpose and vision behind it. And also, there's an incredible revelation as to the motivation behind the work that he's doing. We discuss his why and the fact that he focuses on personal best rather than perfection. And as I said, there's going to be a whole bunch of mental health tools and strategies that you can take away and implement into your own life to feel healthier, stronger, fitter, more purposeful, and have a much more happier life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with my man, Cooper Chapman. Really uh, stoked to be having a chat to you. We've got so much to talk about today. I think we're going to align on a lot of things in in terms of our values and our vision. Um, so opening up on that, what I wanted to ask the question was, ultimately, what's important to you? Important to me? Tough question. I think the main thing that I've kind of realized and been really trying to look inside and find that for the last couple of years is, yeah, what is important to me? What is my why? What is my purpose? And as much as sport and being an athlete really matters to me, I've just keep coming back to doing good things for other people is more important than that. Not more important, but just on a different level of that's something that's going to be with me forever and something that's going to be my character rather than just being known for certain successes. So I just feel like who you are needs to really align with doing good for other people. I mean, for me anyway, I think that we're kind of put on this earth to help other people grow as well as ourselves. If we can dissect the two, um, one being the athlete career, the other being doing good things for others. If you speak about your athletic career, when, when you talk about that, whereabouts in your body do you feel that? Um, I've never been asked a question like that. I don't know. I, I feel like for surfing, anyway, for me, obviously being a professional surfer, because it is a, as much as it is a job for me, I'm, very, I'm extremely fortunate that surfing is basically a hobby as well. Like, it's not like... I mean, I guess there's a few a lot of other sports that people are like a lot of people do it as a hobby, but I think because surfing is that kind of thing, no matter even if I'm not professional, I'll be doing it every day of my life anyway. It's just kind of like this added bonus that I became really talented at it, and um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to travel the world and get to do it professionally, and so I, I think I'm just really just super grateful for that. And then yeah, I guess as I've gotten older and more mature and realised what's kind of important i've started piggybacking kind of my mental health little business on the back of the professional surfing thing because it's given me a platform to have that audience and also the people who care what i'm doing if that makes sense people who cared about surfing so i've, I've got this audience that i can try and inspire to make good healthy decisions around their mental health and stuff like that as well so in your career so far when we think about mental health what are some of the strategies that you've been able to put in place um, when it comes to your athleticism that is that you feel has really helped your performance? Um, 
it's a bit of a funny one. I guess when it comes to performance, it's just, it's so particular as to what works individually. And I've found things where I'm like, yep, this is what I'm going to, this is a song I'm going to listen to before every heat because I know this is when I do well. And then two weeks later, I'll forget about it. I think it's just trying to, for me, it, for me, I guess the way that I break it down now is the one big thing that I've been working with my sports psychologist with is letting go and not putting attachments to things. So if say, I don't know, I guess it comes back to like controlling the controllables and doing things that are in your control and then letting go of other stuff. And for me, it's trying to get to a place where I can let go of stuff. And for me, that comes back to a lot of meditation. I try and spend at least like 10 to 20 minutes a day meditating and just completely clearing my mind. And I have a few good friends who have like a meditation um, company that send me like meditations and just inspire me to really take care of that part of, I guess, my brain. It's, it's such an important thing being able to clear that clutter in the brain. And I, for me, I find meditation is a huge one to get to that place where I can let go of, attaching to scenarios that I can't control. Yeah. And, and again, as you, as you climb up through the, through the ranks, I guess, as a young athlete, the physicality of a sport, you know, the focus on the physicality of it is, is very important. And it's, it's supremely important to the point where you cultivate your, your skills and your abilities. But as you get to more the pointy end or the peak of the triangle, 90% of high performance is, is the mental game. Um, and any sports psychologist should be able to tell you that. So the non-attachment, the meditation, and you know, the letting go that you've learned, are there any other strategies that you've found um, that have worked for you individually um, as you went along the way when, it, when, the, when the pressure of high performance became a lot more than it used to when you were a younger kid? Um, I guess it's kind of evolved from when I was younger, I used to put quite a lot of pressure on myself based. I used to put pressure on myself based of what I thought other people's opinion of me were, if that makes sense. So I used to feel like if I did bad, I'd let my family down, I'd let my sponsors down and stuff. And now that I've gotten older, I'm kind of like, who really cares like what they think? Like if I'm, I have to get myself there and like, nobody's going to ever run the race for you. No one's ever going to serve the heat for you. So like when I see when people like blame coaches for like losing stuff, it's just like as soon as you can take responsibility, then you can start growing and start moving forward. So I think for me, it's been a lot of like self-reflection. And if I don't, if I'm not doing well, I can look back and go, well, if I haven't done the work and I haven't put in the time, then I'll blame myself. Or if I don't do well and I have put in the work, I just go, I need to work harder. I need to like change something, not kind of just be stagnant and keep trying to do the same thing with, same outcome is trying to be really aware of what's kind of happening and knowing what needs to change. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately um, responsibility is maturity, you know, taking responsibility for your actions is a sign of maturity. And that's ultimately what you're saying is that with maturity has come this ability to perform at such a greater level and with such greater ease and flow and enjoyment. Um, so I'm just going to put a little pin in that because I definitely want to come back to some of those tactical, technical psychology um, moments of, of high performance and, and how we're going to transition from where you are to where you want to be. Um, but stepping mm. slightly. But, there's a bit of a double-edged sword kind of with that. Or just the way it goes, like back when I was younger, I felt like I was probably a more aggressive competitor and probably had 
almost more success when I was younger, but as the competition changes and the context of everything changes, it's kind of trying to like, in a in like the least, I guess, submissive way, just saying like, it's okay to lose now. Whereas like, I've got so many other great things happening in my life. Whereas back then it was everything. And I was just five years ago, if I lost a heat, I was like rattled for weeks. Whereas now I'll decompress, I'll break it down. I'll write stuff out and then let it go and move on to getting better. I'll move on to the next thing that I'm working on in my day. And you mentioned the word competition. Um, and I felt this personally, and I know there's a lot of athletes that, I, that I've spoken to have felt the same thing that as they've matured, as their, their eyes have widened to the world, uh, or as they've felt things on a deeper visceral level, their need to compete is starting to dissipate. And is that something that you feel is, is, is becoming part of you or is, is it something a little different? Oh, 100%. I guess, like I was saying before, that once this competition's over, knowing there's other things out there. And like I touched on at the start, having that why and really, really a professional sport is like, you might get noticed for it and whatnot for maybe 10 years in your life. If you have a long career, I guess, in surfing, like 20 to 30 is a pretty good skin at surfing, but there's still plenty more years in your life to create, to live and to be somebody. So I feel like as soon as you attach yourself and have your identity really fixed around something that is going to end in reality of how long each, I guess, person's life is expected. If, if you base your whole identity around that 10 years of your life, you see so many people fall apart. So I'm kind of trying to pick that up now and trying to put things in place and find ways to be happy before I get to that, I guess, identity. I, I guess because I've like lost my sponsor and I've had to like make that decision to stick with surfing over the last couple of years it's opened my eyes up to going, all right, well, let's start putting other things in place and start having that, I guess, awareness of what's really important out there. And to me, yeah, that's helping people. And obviously the better I can do in surfing, the bigger my audience can be, the more people I can help. So it kind of piggybacks off itself. Yeah, they're very much intertwined. And I think uh, the mental health uh, strategies that you've got in place, as you said, that awareness, that self-awareness seems to be the progress that you're making right now. Obviously with what you're doing in your in the QS and then obviously with the business, the good human factory, which we'll talk about soon as well. When you talk about surfing, I'm I would just wonder whether it, it hits you in a different level, a different visceral place on the body. Because you've got the three the three minds of the body, you know, the heart, the soul, and the mind up in the head. So when you talk about surfing, does it come from a deeper place here or is it at the moment is it coming from the mind? And then when you talk about things like good doing good things for others, the good human factory whereabouts do you feel where does that line up on the body as well i guess so i think it feels like all of me to be honest i haven't really since i was eight years old i've always kind of looked at myself and thought of myself as like a professional surfer and that's kind of how i identified myself whereas now that i've started doing this good human factory in this mental health realm and starting to get noticed for something other than i guess my sporting talents i'm kind of like it just makes me feel better that people are like looking at me as like this good person rather than like this athlete. It's like, I feel like that's more important when I look at, I don't know, when I watch like athletes and when I watch interviews and when I watch anything or listen to podcasts, I feel like it really comes out in a person with their characters. And that's what I remember about a person. And I'm like, I don't know, I just like that idea of people going like, oh, he's a really good guy. Like that matters more to me now than like, oh, he's a, you know, I mean, Australian champ. It's like, 
the people who care about that are the people that you shouldn't really care about their opinions sometimes. Like obviously you can care about that as well, but like if they base judge you on your achievements and it kind of takes away from getting to know someone's character, I guess. Completely. 100%. And I, I just noticed when you started talking about how important that is to you that, you know, you, your back stood up a little bit, which was really nice and you presented your chest, which is ultimately the place of giving, which is the heart. The mind is the, the place of understanding the soul, the place of purpose and the heart is the place of giving. And when you talked about giving, you've really presented that over this way in, in towards me when you were talking about that. And it shows that it's really coming from the genuine place from you. It's not, it's not a, it's not a mind game. It's definitely coming from that heart place in terms of the good human factory and the work that you're doing with that which is, is, is fantastic, you know? And I, as I said, I'm, I'm inspired when I see all the work that's going into it for the for people out there that don't know about the good human factory. Can you explain a little about where the name came from, what it's about, what its purpose is, um, and just explain it to the, to the audience. Okay. I'll give my little, my little couple minute elevator pitch. I've done this plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the good human factory, basically I, I lost my major sponsor about oh, three years ago now. I was writing for Hurley for seven years and then they were kind of like, you need to start, if you want to stay writing for us, they cut my contract by like 80% and said, we want you to be a regional surfer and not do the QS anymore. And I was like, like 23rd in the world at the time on the QS. So I was like really close to qualifying. And I was like, far out, like this sucks. Like I'm trying to get shafted and trying to get like, get told by my sponsor that, so I left them and I was like, all right, I need to change the way I look at a few things. I was pretty entitled and, felt like the world was a bit against me then and I started like reading a lot of books in like self-development and starting to take a bit of responsibility and I guess you'd say my mental health and then fast forward about eight months my little sister lost um a friend came home and said she lost a friend to suicide and I was like fire like she's in year 12 at high school and I was like fire that's like super shit like (laughs) there shouldn't be kids taking their life two weeks later she came home and said another friend had taken his life and I was like I don't know, I guess my dad just saw something in me, how like much that struck a chord with me. Cause on the Northern beaches, I'd had to go to a few funerals for friends. And I was just like, this is like so bad. Like what, what can I do about it? And I was like, I've had this big identity crisis. Like who am like, dad was like, you should go and talk to kids at schools about it. And I was like, who am I to say anything? And then I was just like, you know what, if, if I go and talk to kids at schools about what works for me and I feel like that's the greatest way to, I guess, inspire people to take action the best way to make people to take action is to inspire them to take action and lead by example not i don't know i feel like if there was a secret answer to mental illness then we would have it and there wouldn't be any suicide so i was like all oh, the worst i can do is go and share with what works for me and a few kids might pick up on it and like it so fast forward a little bit more i spoke to a, old my old school teacher who's a good mate of mine from narrabeen sports i he's the head of sport there now and sort of pitched in the idea is like yeah that's great like you obviously speak well you communicate well and I'd run a few surf camps with a few young kids and the parents had um let me know after they're like wow the kids got so much from you and I took them through a bit of meditation and a few things and they the parents were all like wow they like got on so well with you and you communicated so well with them and they were so engaged like I did like two six hour days with them with just me and like seven or eight kids and I got really good reports and then yeah, my dad was like, you should go and maybe talk to kids at schools about like what you do. Cause I've gathered a lot of knowledge through reading self-development books, through working with my sports psychologist. And I feel like I'd had a pretty good blueprint for what worked for me. So 
I spoke to my old school teacher and he's like, yeah, there's like a market for it. And then he's like, there's like really good money to be made in as well. And I was like, I mean, it's definitely not about the money, but I was like, it'd be great to be able to go and do that for a career instead of go and dig holes. <laughs> so I started, so I was like, I want to, I can't remember how the name fully started. I, was, I think we were just literally having a beer at the pub. I was telling him the idea and he's like, oh, like good humans and I was like yeah and then his, and then he actually came up with it he's like good human factory like they listen to your speech it's like going to a factory and you come out a little bit better human I was like oh yeah, that's pretty cool so that's kind of where the name originated from and then yeah fast that was twenty. that was like end of 2018 I wrote all my speech out and then started 2019 I went into Narrabeen Sports High and did a couple of talks at schools I mean talks at Narrabeen to like my old school to a few of the kids and they really enjoyed and then I did one at Surfing Australia with a bunch of like 14 to 16 year old talented like really talented young surfers and they really loved it and then I did one with Kansas Ring and Touch Football junior team which is cool so I've just been sort of moving it forward but now because I've been juggling a full-time surf career and working full-time doing carpentry to pay the bills because I don't have a sponsor I ended up having to like put the good human factory a little bit on the back burner it's still always on my mind I'm still always trying to chip away at it but not having that income I couldn't I just couldn't take the time off work last year whereas now everything's changed a little bit but yeah it just sort of chipped away for a little bit I've gone to a few schools started like the social media and then I kind of realized that grandest way I guess to get to a wide audience is to build a social media I can only go to talk to like 50 to 100 students at a time but if I have you know what I mean? If I grow good social media following, I can have a platform to share stories and try and inspire people. But yeah, I went from there and then started, got um, asked to, oh, what's it called? Got asked by Surfing Australia and the AIS to sign up for this program called the Community Custodians Program, which is like the Australian Institute of Sport and Lifeline Australia picked like 20, oh, I think there's like 15 athletes from around Australia all under the AIS banner because surfing now is because it's an Olympic sport. And we did like a bunch of training in mental health, did some stuff with Lifeline and then like went around to a bunch of events last year and kind of just showed face and we were just meant to be, I guess, spokespersons and community custodians. Like they called it sharing that mental health doesn't discriminate. So I just kind of got myself in that realm and just really appreciated seeing how many people are trying to do good things in the area. I I kind of just, from being close to it now, I've realized that there is something really missing in there. I guess, mental health arena and something needs to change because obviously the suicide rates are going up. And once I did a bit more research, I was like, I definitely don't have the answer, but if I can, you know what I mean, inspire a few kids to learn how to meditate when they're having a down day, or I can inspire a few kids to try and find their purpose and live for something rather than just living day by day without really having that purpose or inspire some kids to read more books about self-development and find little things that might work for them and try things because, I, don't know, I feel like my kind of whole grasp after a couple of years of doing this is that one in five or one in four people will be diagnosed with mental illness in Australia, but four in four, five in five have mental health and like not enough people see their mental health like their physical health. So I'm just trying to like, you know, be a little bit of a spokesperson and show my sort of interest in it and hopefully like a young pro surfer talking about it a bit more openly and sh- showing that I take care of my mental health and I inspire some other people too. Yeah. There's, there's so much greatness that came out of that uh, little 
you know, elevator pitch, as you put it. It was a, it was a good one. <laughs> what stood out for me was, as you said, was the advocacy that not only yourself, but there are many athletes out there in many different sports coming together to raise awareness. I know one of my good buddies, uh, Moses Enriques from in the cricket circles, um, is another one who's advocating really powerfully for that. Um, you know, the guy and guys are like 180 out on the beaches doing some great work. There's another a good mate of mine, Nick Newling. I'm not sure if you know Nick from champions.org. Again, going into schools, doing a doing a, a similar thing, but from a different background. And what I love about what you're doing is, is you're able to provide vision for these kids in terms of what they can achieve with a little bit of hard work, dedication, focus, purpose, vision um, in, in terms of athleticism. But also no matter what realm you're coming from, whether it's professional athletes, whether it's artistry, whether it's leading a community, whatever that is, is that we're all in charge of our own mental health and we all need to advocate for positive mental health um, and resilience. And I think the second thing that stood out for me was the, the missing link of, of being able to teach resilience to, to young, to young guys and young girls Um, across your time, whether it's in talking in the schools or across some of the learnings you've found, are there any strategies that you've found or heard of in terms of, of cultivating resilience? I think with resilience, this is my complete take on it anyway. I get inspired by hearing other people's stories and like handpicking like little things going, oh, that might work for me because there's no perfect way. Every Because I've been like recording podcasts as well recently, talking to guests about building stories, resilience with high profile people who have got great stories. I just want to show that no matter how bigger profile you are we all go through the same stuff like not the same stuff but we all go through stuff and we all have little ways to get through it so i feel like the way to overcome obviously if you have a mental illness it's super important to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist and work through stuff with professionals but i think too many people who are just slowly slipping down that mental health spectrum aren't aware of it and don't have the skills and the tools in place to be aware of it for one and for two to try and get themselves back. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my presentation. I literally have eight um, slides that are things that I do to help my mental health, which are philosophy, reading books, um, gratitude, the huge one. And then like the second half of it's about empathy, compliments and kindness. And just things like kind of coming back to the mantra of like the good humor factory is like, it's, it feels good to be a good person. Like I've, if I see like plastic or anything like stuff floating around in the ocean or on the sand, I'll pick it up and throw it in the bin. And like, it's never to, to try and get somebody to watch me to do it and feel good because of that. It's because it, it genuinely feels good being a good person. Like, so I don't know. I just hopefully can inspire kids to be like, you don't have to, be like youth against establishment against the rules and stuff to be happy it's like there's so much science behind the how much like happiness you can get out of just being kind to people and like how much better it is for your mood just being a genuinely happy person and to do that we have to be in charge of our mental health and take care of it and yeah there's that that difference between the extrinsic and intrinsic motivation um, extrinsic being, you know, for awards or accolade and intrinsic being for the feeling, you know, that you get from doing something or an action. I think everybody or most people are, are, I guess, feel the same way when there's an external reward available. You know, there is motivation to go and get something or achieve something. But 
like you're saying, cult, the back end of your presentation, cultivating that intrinsic motivation of kindness, compassion, empathy, and, and understanding what the body does when you do something good, how it feels, why it feels that way, which is, again, I, I touched on at the start of the, the conversation in regards to how your body feels when you talk about surfing and how your body feels when you talk about the good human factor or giving, um, because there's different parts of the body that will light up based on what you are doing. If you're doing something that's on purpose, your soul or your gut is going to be on fire. You, and as you said, you're just going to be super driven. But if you are get, doing something from a place of giving, which is like, as you said, the business that you're doing, it's coming from that heart space. The chest will light up. You'll be able to stand up and you sit up in your seat. The spine's tall and you're able to present your chest. That's such an important facet of what you're doing, that intrinsic cultivation. Um, and I really applaud you on that because it's been something that's been missed for a long period of time. Lots of us have always been told to think things through and to not um, trust our feelings or trust our intuition or trust what the body's doing. So seemingly, and I'd, I'd love to come and see a presentation, the back half of the presentation is all about trusting how you feel and what's going on inside the body and then cultivating the mind so that it's clear and in a positive state that you can handle or understand, which is again, the place of understanding what's actually going on inside the body to be able to deal with what's going on externally with a much more resilient ability. Yeah. I think just having that reflection and journaling and just like i guess something that i've been working on quite a lot lately is just trying to be extremely present in situations especially situations where i'm i don't know where i'm in enjoying stuff you know what i mean like i've been training really hard the last couple months since everything slowed down and just like in moments instead i'm just really trying to be really present which has been difficult (laughs) but i find that's a good way to really under like when you're present you can go present but then reflect after something like good and be like wow like i guess it goes back to that saying of like stop and smell the roses don't let just like the pace of life take over the small things so yeah i I literally like the small things bring me so much happiness now which is really cool like trying to avoid that obviously like i'm human like materialistic stuff is always going to be like nice but i think just like building a portfolio of experiences rather than a portfolio of things is way more important to me than I guess yeah trying to acquire these things I mean obviously it'd be really nice to have a house and a nice car and stuff but I I think just having that reflection and being able to go like wait when am I really happy is it when I've got when I'm sitting in a really nice house alone with people who are just you know what I mean people who aren't the sort of people you want to be around or is it when you're around people who are inspired and motivated to go and chase that feeling of happiness every day. And that's what I've kind of been surrounding myself with lately. The, you, you mentioned the words need and want. Yes. The, the house and the car and those things would be lovely to have. That's a, you know, that's, that's a little want, but you know, we, as you said, you don't need them. What we need is connection. We need relationships. We need, a, as you said, positive mind. We need to, to basically be able to reflect. Those things are all intrinsic. And it can reciprocate in its, its, you know, the give and receive process. That's what we need. It's, it's on a human base level. It's simply about connection and relationships. And of all the podcasts that I've done uh, so far, the, one of the mo- biggest values that all guys at, at the level you're at, that high performance level, say that one of the most important values that they have is cultivating healthy relationships. Oh, 100%. Finding that 
I guess, personal people that uh, it goes back. To, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm big into like motivational speaking and listening to kind of what people who have gone through it and got to like that kind of high accolade. Sure. They might have the things, but I think the principles and the, um, I guess values that a lot of them hold are quite similar and you hear it time and time again, like you always want to try and be around people who are better than you because you can grow. And I think that shows maturity as well is like getting past that point of like being the best always. It's always, I think being the person who's growing the most and learning the most is really the person who's the best. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. I think just having those, yeah, healthy relationships rather than relationships that are detrimental. Like I'm so lucky that I've got a friendship group that, we've been kind of pretty close for like the last six months, this kind of new friendship group that we've formed where everybody's just extremely, we we all have a really good time together and might get loose and have a good time partying. And that's kind of how it all started. But now it's turned into this group chat where like we just bounce ideas off each other. Everything's like, yeah, we don't need to do anything this weekend. Like let's all try and focus on this. Or like we'll all go do something healthy. And then like we all have like little subgroups where everybody's just really trying to build each other up. And it's, it's been, I mean, for me, I'm super stoked and really happy with kind of that friendship and inner circle group is. And now with the good human factory stuff, it's kind of expanding my horizons and I'm getting to meet some really important people and some people who are, yeah, really helping me grow. There's the old saying that states that we are the accumulation of the five people we spend the most time with. And, you know, if you're spending time with five absolute legends that are just all giving, all heart, all soul, that's going to become who you are. And it's the same on the opposite end of that scale. So ultimately what you also mentioned, which I completely advocate for is, is personal best rather than, you know, reaching for perfection, you know, and trying to beat others on that external level. It's, it's being your own yardstick and, and striving for personal best. And you mentioned two ways that you try and do that. And number one is what you absorb. So what goes in, so you're learning, you're reading your philosophy, all that internal stuff that you're bringing from the outside world. And then you've got the out, which is how much you can give or what you can give. I think you're hitting the nail on the head here. It's, you know, depression comes from a fear of the past and anxiety comes from a fear of the future. And in the middle of that is this beautiful presence where you can cultivate that gratitude in the, and the ever creating present moment. And in that moment, you know, this is where you can create a, a future that looks like anything that you can envision. So, for you specifically at the moment on a personal and professional level. And when I say professional, we can split that into two. So personally and on a professional level, what's, what's the vision? What, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm really excited for my podcast to launch to be honest. That's something that's been pretty special to me for the last, I mean, I recorded 10 when I was in Hawaii in November and yeah, I got lucky enough that Podcast One picked me up and gave me the equipment and like the idea. So it's been like a long six months of like trying to edit and work after like how we want to launch and what sort of target market it hasn't been. Like I was going to do it by myself. And then because at the end of the day, the reason that I'm doing the podcast is to talk to people with profiles about stories of resilience and pick the little tools and skills that they've got through it. I wanted to do it right. So instead of doing it by myself, when they gave me the opportunity to work with them, I was like, look, if I do it myself, I might only get a couple, like if I'm lucky, a couple hundred people listen to it. Whereas having their platform of like, like promoting through radio and promoting through their platforms and having it done really, really schmick through it, you know, and edited and produced. 
that's kind of something that I've like it's taken a while and it's like feels like it's almost here. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks that should be out. So I'm really excited about that. Just I don't know. I just want people to listen to it because I know I've got so much out of each of the chats that I'm like I know other people are going to really get some stuff that's important out of them and learn some stuff about people who they might put on a pedestal and think is this like bulletproof, amazing, perfect life professional surfer and just show that sure they go through some tough times but we all get through it using certain things. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. Um, what's the, uh, what's the name of the podcast, buddy? It's going to be called good humans with Cooper Chapman. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So we'll just plug that one there. I'm, I'm yep. I'm going to be putting that one straight on the list. Legends. Yeah. I should launch seven episodes at once. So one should be out probably when this comes out. Um, but that's exciting. And then my board shaper actually, who I've recently just started with Mauricio Gill and Jay surfboard. He's all for what I'm doing and um, we just brought out, I got my first one a couple of days ago, a board model called the Good Model, which is just my little good smiley face. And um, yeah, he's going to, every custom board made that sold for $750, I think, he'll give he'll donate $100 to the Good Human Factory. So the, the main speed bump that I've been struggling with is schools not wanting to pay for someone to come in because so many of the organisations who are doing great stuff that are going and talking at schools about mental health and resilience are either government funded or have backings from other sources and the schools don't pay. So if I try and charge the schools X amount of dollars to come in and talk, so it gives me some sort of incentive to take a day off work, it's just been really hard. So I'm trying to like problem solve around that. So I'm like, why don't I give people the opportunity to support X amount of talks and then I'll go and do talks on behalf of them. So Mauricio's like, yeah, that's great. Let's promote youth mental health through this board model when people buy them every like five or X, uh, we haven't worked out a number yet, but every say 10 boards that are sold, I'll go and do a talk at a school for free on behalf of, and it's like sponsored by him. So that's really cool. So we're launching that in, um, in a couple of weeks, which should be great. That's called the good board model with Mauricio Gill. There would be an abnormal, a huge amount of businesses out there that if you presented with them, to them, the fact that the money that they are investing in the good human factory or investing in you specifically is going as, or allowing you to go into schools and educate perhaps some of their sons and daughters on resilience, uh, mental health, um, all, as you said, having that holistic health outlook, I'm, I, I could almost guarantee that, you know, even friends of this podcast would have, would have connections uh, or be in businesses themselves that would love to advocate and support something like that. So I think that avenue of, of external funding um, will open up very, very warmly to you uh, once you start looking in that space, because uh, they're the kind of things that I would like to invest in. The, I mean, the board idea is fantastic. Uh, and as I said, anyone out there who's looking for a new board, there's your new board to buy the good board. But then keep pushing that envelope in terms of businesses and presenting yourself because the work that you're doing with these kids um, is is second to none. And I personally would do some work with disadvantaged kids one-to-one. And I understand from the face-to-face how much these kids need support and their resilience and how they need good role models and how they need to see real people telling real stories. It's why kids, you know, so many teenagers get um, so attached to music because they finally hear someone speaking it or spitting it real that they can assimilate. They go, yes, someone's finally heard me or understood me. And when you're up there presenting in front of a bunch of, a bunch of school students, just like my buddy Nick does, excuse me, 
I'm getting passionate. You can see I'm starting to lose my breath. Yeah, it's, I love it. <laughs> that's this is the, these are the kind of people that need to be in front of the kids. It's not it's not the government funded so and sos with you know wearing the suit, wearing the tie. It's not those guys. It's the ones they can relate to, like yourself. So, I mean, as I said, anything that I can do from my end to support the progress of what you're up to, you just let me know. And as I said, we'll push this forward as hard as we can. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's that's kind of what I. I don't know. I went through the whole like, all right, I'll try and get the schools to pay. And then I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, like, if it got to that and then the schools end up charging the students, I'm like, they shouldn't have to charge for that. Like, there's enough people that are making a lot of money out there that I feel like would want to and have the social responsibility to invest in the future's resilience. And that's the thing. Like, I don't preach that I have the answer or anything. I just like to share my story because that's what's inspired me to take care of my own mental health is looking at hundreds of other people's stories about doing it so i'm hoping that yeah i saw this little bit of a niche where i was like as arrogant as it might sound like a young pro surfer could be a bit different a message than coming from someone who's like an ex you know what i mean well i'm still quite in the thick of my career i mean i turned 26 yesterday so i'm getting old but happy birthday <laughs> but i still feel like, feel like i can connect with that youth audience quite well and i have and I, and I just really enjoy working with like that youth audience because I feel like I can remember exactly, it feels like yesterday I was going through that and made quite a few, I wouldn't say terrible decisions, but was a bit, how do I say, it was a little bit probably rude to my parents and didn't have the relationship to my parents with my parents that I would have, looking back at, liked because it's so much easier when you're in a good relationship with your parents. So I'm trying to like give kids that sort of, I've been through it like, you're better off to learn from my mistakes than to have to make them yourself. I mean, we, we all need to make our own mistakes, but yeah, I guess that's sort of what I'm trying to get out of it. Yeah. There are some mistakes that we need to make ourselves, but there are some we don't. And I think the, the ones that, that you're going to present from your lens, um, as you said, one of those being a, a healthy relationship with your folks, if it's available is one that you don't need to go through to, to work that out. We, we all, most of the time, you know, we do come full circle at some point in our life and there's an opportunity for, to forgive, et cetera, et cetera, down the track. But if you can cultivate a, a really healthy, positive relationship with your folks, um, if you have that opportunity, I'm not saying that everybody does, but if you do have the opportunity, then you don't need to go through that angsty period where, um, you know, it's you against them or you against the world. There's, again, so much that's going to come from your lens that's, that, that, many people out there who are in this space aren't able to give because your lens is very specific to, um, to, to pro surfing, but it is very universal when it comes to, in terms of values and in terms of the life lessons you mentioned before that not everybody uh, has the same triggers, but we do all have the same emotional spectrum. So we do all feel the same things, you know, the same emotions of anger and sadness, um, you know, the things that happen to us through loss and grief, or even the highs, the inspiration, the motivation, we all feel the same things, but there's just different triggers. And it's not so much the feeling of the feelings, it's what, how you're able to control what you do after you feel those things, whether it's positive or negative. And, and it's there, the strategies um, that you're seemingly through your presentation that you're offering these strategies to these kids that they're not really receiving from anywhere else. And as I said, I really want to applaud that. And I also want to ask um, when, it, when it comes to the good human factor, because I would like to, to shift gears a little bit, 
is there anything that people can do from here? So if, you know, if they go and re research what you're up to or they, you know, they check in with the show notes, um, and, you know, on the web or wherever it is on, on social media, Instagram, is there anything specifically that you'd like people to do? The best thing that you can do is just go follow the good humor factory on Instagram. And like, if you see a post that inspires you or you, you know, I mean, I just want to have somewhere where people can just go and go like, Oh, I might get inspired by that. And like basically on the good human factory Instagram now, I've just been posting a couple of quotes a week that inspire me because I think words and wisdom are such a great way to like spark a little bit of a flame sometimes, but just, yeah, just sharing the posts. And if there's something that resonates with you, share it with your followers as well. And just, create this bit more of a community feeling around uplifting people and sharing with your friends things that inspire you because it might inspire them too. Okay, if you, like me, froth on board sports, you must get yourself a board rack's board rack. Whether it's snow, surf, skate, sup, whatever you like to ride sideways, if it's a board, board rack's as a rack for it. They even custom fit racks to your house, your garage, your room, whatever. And I'm pretty sure Matt even made a board rack's guitar rack for some famous muso. So he is very accustomed to making custom board racks. Now, I had Matt fit a, uh, a flat racks in my garage and it cleaned everything up off the floor. It kept my boards safe and made them uh, made the room look superb. looked epic. Now, And I bought a freestanding rack for a mate and he had it in the same room as his newborn baby. So all his babies in one room. Now... Handmade Aussie timber ships worldwide. Board racks, board racks are handing down the best racks on the market. So if you want to get your hands on one of these bad boys, just head on over to www.boardracks. That's B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X.com.au. And if you put in the code MAPLIFE at checkout, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, Matty will sort you with 10% off and he'll get that out to you ASAP. So that again is www.boardracks, B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X.com.au. Ultimately, what you're saying at the moment for people, the best thing they can do is to continue to inspire each other, to continue to give, to be the best human that they can on a personal level. And if they see something on social media that you're presenting, that is, that is inspiring to them, that motivates them, that makes them feel something in the heart, then share that with their followers. And hopefully that we can create this, ripple effect and this yeah and, and the good human factory is a mecca of goodness of kindness of compassion of resilience of strategy all these great things that not only young kids need but also adults and that's where i wanted to grow like i don't know you would have seen my logo my little good logo i just want that to be a bit of a i'm hoping one day be like a little bit of a symbol for like you see that you go be like you be kind like it's just a little reminder like you see that little yellow smiley face? It's a reminder to be kind. And that's where, like, the future, I want to try and get, like, some merch done. Because I, I get people, because I did make a little run of, like, 20 shirts just for myself and family and stuff because I like to wear my logo proudly of, because of what it stands for. For, for me, it's, uh, and i got stickers made and stuff. But that's kind of the next step. Like, if I did, say, say the boards do really well and we sell X amount of boards, and I get paid two grand to go and do a few talks. It's not like that two grand, it's like sweet money in the bank. It's, I'll spend that two grand on making a bunch of clothes so I can give them out so I can hopefully have that logo in more places to inspire people to be kind. 100, it is, the, it's the low, it's like the Nike tick. You know, when you see that, you know, it's all part of their business plan in terms of what it makes you feel. And, and that good symbol that you have makes you feel good because you know that wherever it is and whoever's holding it is ultimately a good human being. So, anyone in their right mind, whether it's, you know, whether it's someone who's in entrepreneur work, artist, athlete, whatever, 
anyone who, who you approach to advocate for a, to being a good human and to wear that proudly on a board or on a bat or, you know, on a guitar, whatever, um, it would be a privilege to have that. Yeah, it's like a certified good human. <laughs> and that's the thing. Even in my kind of like weird messed up way I look at it, even if someone, I guess, you would call like isn't a good human or has done made some iffy decisions like you were saying before everyone's inherently everyone's born good hopefully it's just that little reminder like far out like i see this little yellow smiley face of being branded good like i better pull my finger out like like you said i feel like everybody's born a good person it's just we make decisions based on different i guess external and internal things that are happening in our life that yeah, hopefully just by those small those small little reminders that you need sometimes. Like I've read um David oh was it David yeah, David Goggins book Can't Hurt Me and he has I've got like little post it notes on my kitchen on my mirror and stuff where I brush my teeth that are just like have little reminders and things that I need to do every day and it's like those little reminders get you. Yeah, as you said, there's another little strategy for people. It's just almost affirmations is fantastic. So whether it's an affirmation for to do better, to be better. Um, having those around, you know, absorbing, absorbing any kind of thing where you spoke about it before the absorption, what's going in basically becomes. So, um, and I always advocate very, very heavily for holistic health, you know, with food, with your information, whatever it is, whatever's going in is going to become the body. So if, if you're absorbing the best, you're only going to be able to give the best as well. And that's going to basically curate and cultivate your external environment. So again, that's cyclical. Um, going into the, into QS events now, and as you said, where we talked about competition before, how do you feel that you're going to be able to level up? Is, is there a desire there to level up to the CT still, or is it, is it, is, is there a, where do you sit with that at the moment? It's a bit of a funny one. Obviously with everything up in the world right now, this year is a bit of a strange one, but for me, I guess the way that I look at it now is I'm still like an extremely competitive person and surfing my one thing that I can probably get to you know i mean the top 10 top 20 in the world more so than anything else but i think my priorities have changed a little bit not priorities have changed like i don't know i just the more that i look into the surf world the more characters and things that i see that i don't quite agree with and that i don't feel like putting out the right energy and the right kind of stuff in the world and it is changing there's a lot of extremely great people there but i just think the surf industry has been so mismanaged over the last 10 years and there's been a lot of greed and a lot of poor decisions made that have come back quite badly on a lot of the athletes so i'm kind of like don't i try not to read too much into the surf stuff now because like you said the older you get the more your horizons get and the more i've kind of come to see how much more there is in the world and how much not how it's unimportant surfing is but how unimportant that kind of like external uh, yeah validation like i'm like if i'm doing all that but i'm it's completely detrimental to all my relationships with my friends and family and stuff because i want to do that that's not what i kind of take now as important but i still like would love nothing more than to be on the world tour and to qualify and be traveling the world surfing with my mates and surfing the best ways and really getting to test myself and my abilities. And I mean, to be honest, the hugest bonus if I qualify for the tour and had a really good year on the QS would be, it would grow my, grow my profile and give me a bigger platform to share the mental health stuff. So that's kind of, I'm like 
going full circle and creating that sort of bit of external internal motivation. Yeah, and I think that's that's the avenue you should definitely be focused on. The harder you work on the on the surfing, is the the greater the response you're going to have with the brand. Um, and I think you know both of them being intertwined, as you said, you know they can feed each other. And and um, but what you also said was that that there's more to the world at the moment. You figured out there's more to the world, but what you what that actually is saying is you figured out there's more to yourself than just that one. Uh, aspect which was I, was I was a competitive surfer now cooper is is not only just a competitive surfer he's a competitive surfer plus he's an entrepreneur plus he's a family man plus he's uh, a friend you know all these different parts of your identity that are being or rising to the surface or through being seen through your lens you you can sort of you get a feeling that it, uh, all my energy needs to be dispersed around this circle rather than in that one laser focus of i want to be the best in the world that being said, you're also still very competitive. The desire to achieve is still there. So I wonder, I mean, from the level where you are now in the QS, you know, let's talk tactics here. Let's talk technical tactics. How are you going to get yourself from where you are to where you want to be on the, on the CT? Tough one. It's, it's, it's something I've been trying to juggle the last two years having to work full time. Like I've been, I've been working like 50 hour weeks doing carpentry and then, having to try and like go for a quick surf before work. And then if like, that's if I'm lucky, get a surf in before 6.37 and then finish eight hours, eight to 10 hours, like doing trade work and then coming and surfing or training. And like, I just feel like the last couple of years I've lost. It's hard to explain. I haven't, I, I just feel like I'm rusty almost when I compete now. Like I'm, still probably enjoying my surfing more than everyone i'm just going surfing because i don't care as much like if i fall on a wave i used to get angry when i was there free surfing whereas now if i fall I just, whatever like just, it's just surfing <laughs> but i guess that it's 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 been quite difficult to find that real drive and care because that's really like, you need that if you beat you're gonna have three other guys that want it twice as like if they want it twice as bad as you they're gonna get it so trying to find that balance of like i'm really enjoying this but then still being like extremely competitive and tactical is hard to find that balance. But yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm still feel like things are moving in the direction that I want them to. And my surfing is getting better and I'm still training and I'm really fit right now. I've been training a lot, just trying to look at different avenues, maybe not surfing specific training, but I've actually, I've been doing a lot of paddling on like nipper boards with my mate. And we're just trying to like push these boundaries and find kind of the, edge of our comfort zone and move past it daily which is only coming back to help my surfing as well so i think just trying to find ways that i can level up greatly and hopefully they translate back to surfing because i spent years and years and years working tightly with surf coaches and blah 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 and working so much on my surfing and fitness and everything was so surf-centered and i didn't do well and it just i just come crashing down too easy i was just too like, well, I've done this. All right, I need to change it all and do this. And I, I was just trying to find what worked, but not actually taking a look on inside on how I was feeling. And now I'm kind of like, you know, what if I lose? I'm still happy. Like, what? Like, it's not really a loss. Like, so it's trying to find that balance of like competitiveness and caring, and still like wanting to just be a happy person every day. I mean, we we talked about the the pre everyone going inside the pre-ISO phase where you were working, you know, 50 hours a week, 
long hours, especially on, you know, on the tools. They're, they're long days, man. They're like, they're like 16 hour days. Um, you had that, you had your surfing and you had the business. So there's three things that you had in your hands at the one time. And you said you almost had to park the good human factory to be able to, to be able to juggle or to be able to handle it. Um, mm. Now that the, uh, the carpentry is, or the, you know, the, the being on the tools is, is being parked. Um, and you've only, you've got in your hands, you've got the good human factory and you've got the surfing or the training any, that's focused on, you know, being a better surfer. Do you feel that, that the motivation is, is coming back to be able to put the time in, the focus, the vision for the surfing because you've got so much more energy and time because the tools are away? Um, I, to be completely honest, right now is a really weird time because my whole life since I was, my whole adult life, I've always had a surf comp coming up within two, like maximum a month. Like maybe like December, January would have off, but like generally I've had a surf comp to do in a month. So I've always been thinking about that next event and training for it and getting prepared for it. Whereas because we don't have that now and we don't really know where that light is at the end of the tunnel, I'm not, I'm not not focused on my surf. I'm still surfing every day. That's why I went back to before, like surfing is the greatest thing ever. I'm not necessarily training for events, but I'm surfing every day. I'm getting new boards. I'm like stuck to my boards. I'm still, every time I go surfing, I try and surf the best I can, but I'm just not doing the tactical training and whatnot, which I, to be honest, haven't been doing that much in the recent years, just for one, because I can't afford to pay a surf coach because I don't, because <laughs> I'm working on the tools to pay for my comps. I'd rather spend that few hours surfing than having to work an extra few hours to pay a coach to watch me surf. But, I think I've kind of lost myself in this question, but I think just having this extra time has allowed me to work on the good humans. And it's weird because the good human factory is hard right now because there's not schools, right? There's not really schools open that are going to have guests come in and do talks. So I'm just trying to really capitalize on this time to put things in place. Like I was saying with the board model, like I, like I'm doing with the podcast and trying to be as productive as I can be while using this couple of months to, really just I haven't had a break from like surfing competitively since I was 12 years old so I'm just trying to really focus on like meditating every day reading getting pretty healthy and letting everything kind of fall into place and just trying to like let the universe run things out and let kind of just doing what makes me happy every day and going and doing adventures and finding that present moment where I was talking about before and having those moments daily where I'm like, just feel connected with what I'm doing right there and then rather than, Oh, I've got to like go train, like just always being in the then or now. But yeah, I feel like this has been a great opportunity to slow down and really focus on what's making me happy and doing that daily. Yeah. It's, it's such a great opportunity for everybody to reflect on how they were spending their time prior to it and how that that activity or that experience made them feel and then if it's not making you feel alive inspired motivated as you said then why are we doing it you know and mm. then you've got to answer those questions to yourself and that's that's for everybody whether you're a high performing athlete Fronting. or, or completely because we're talking identity you know wrapping it full circle back to identity again um but i think when you're ready when you've, cause everybody needs that little break. Cause at the moment is, it sounds like you're having a mental break or a psychological break from the competition, like we said before, uh, and also the, the, uh, application of the mind, body, soul into that, that sport wholeheartedly, wholesolely. Um, 
So, but when you're ready, when you feel like you've taken your breath and you're ready to go into it, the amount of energy I think that you're going to have um, specifically because of you've got two hands, we've only got two hands and we, and it's, it's a lot easier just to hold on to two things when we're doing more than two things at once. We don't really mm. give each project or each thing enough of ourselves or our time, but two, two is, two is good. One's the best. Um, but we need yeah. to also balance, um, as we've, sure. you know, we've, we've I mentioned before previously on podcasts is that we don't really look for work-life balance. We look for work-life passion. So at the moment, your passion is, is driven into this good human project. And with this space, you might find that the passion then, then trickles or seeps over or flows over into this surfing. I want to get back into becoming my best again at, at this, uh, this experience or this sport that I, that I love so much. And, um, Mate, whenever you, whenever that comes in, whenever that light bulb flicks on again, or the or the energy comes in, mate, give me a buzz. Happy to support you through that because <laughs> I can't wait to see what absolutely happens between between the combination of of you striving to be your best on an athletic sense and you striving to be your best on on a personal sense when it comes to this business because there's so much of you in both of them. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm right at that tipping point because I. I when I was sponsored, I was just surfing and I felt like at that time, like my value that I was adding to the brand and to what not was based on my surfing abilities and my achievements. Whereas now I'm like, I feel like I've not created, but like the person I am, I've created a business around who I am and who I want to be. So I'm hoping that I'm at this point now where someone goes like, I'm hoping now once podcasts launches and people start seeing my name and my profile grows, along that avenue that a brand, a surf brand or a brand goes like, well, let's sponsor this guy. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's pack this guy and want to sponsor me for what I'm doing at school talks and what I'm doing at whatnot and open myself up to being supported and ambassador for a brand that isn't necessarily surf completely focused. Someone who's just like got the same values and the same kind of ideas and the same perceptions on life for me and want to, utilize what i feel i just felt like i was so underutilized my potential my whole surf career i felt like i was so much more than a surfer and that's now that i've got this i'm like this is what i want to do and then the surfing like goes with it and like you said like it's not that i'm not focused on surfing right now like i'm still working on my boards every day with my shaper and things along those lines but i just really i just know that the surf competitions in my heart probably aren't going to be until next year so i'm kind of or like at earliest, like September, October. So I'm kind of just trying to like spend this two months, like going pretty head first into the good human factory and like really reflecting. And then knowing that like surfing's definitely going to pick like a huge bit of pace back up once the sort of lights a bit closer to the end of the tunnel. I just don't want to spend six months training my ass off with the not knowing when the events are going to be and just having that confusion and that burnout. Like, so I don't need that six to eight month training block to come at your best as you can. I just, for me anyway, I just feel like it burned me out. Now, and through the whole conversation, mate, it's, it's, you've definitely sounded focused. Uh, I definitely don't want that to come across um, that there has been a lack of focus or, or, or a, a lack of, of desire. Um, Cause I felt it from you that, that there has been, that you, you still love your surfing. You know, it's a whole body experience. You mentioned that you're very inspired by it. You, you just mentioned that, that something now is on the plate that is coming from such a deep place of, of you know, human connection that, it, that is taking up a lot of your heart, soul, mind time. You know, so when you go out surfing, it's almost like time off, relax, 
surf enjoyment that and that again will re-inspire itself but it, you definitely haven't sounded like there's a lack of focus and i, I want to advocate too for i mean if you think about what sponsors are right the people brand sponsor people because they will sell their stuff ever since i was a kid being drilled in by my dad he's my biggest supporter and my biggest critic he's always been like on my case since i was young going like you've got to make sure like you're offering value to the brand the only reason anyone sponsors you is to sell board shorts like so i've always been like pretty forward thinking trying to like make sure i speak highly of brand and understand the products and understand how to promote them to the best of my ability but i just felt like like i was saying before i just felt like i was completely underutilized my whole surf career because i felt like i've been more than a surfer like i really enjoyed going into rooms and talking about products and well, I've always loved working with designers in brands in like making the best sort of products we can for functionality and whatnot for professional being a professional athlete. But yeah, I just feel like now I'm like my own boss. I'm like, I can do things my own way. And I mean, I, I'm super open to trying to find another sponsor and have a sticker on my board and having someone that aligns with my values and somebody who wants to, I guess, just help fund me to do this mission that I feel like I'm on a journey towards. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what I was going to say is that if I was a, if I was a brand and I had money to spend on something that I think was going to recoup me money and then some, you're the kind of guy that kids look up to, right? Kid, you're going into schools and kids are looking up to you as you're talking about this great stuff, this work that you're doing. They're looking up to you because of the, the athleticism that you take. They look up to you because of the, the way that you hold yourself on and off camera, in and out of the water if you're a brand, like this is the kind of the, the kind of athlete that you want to get behind because not only are they going to advocate solely for your, your brand and, and wholeheartedly for your brand, they're going to advocate for the, for the brand values. They're going to advocate for, for and get in touch with the kids because you're basically with the business, you're in front of kids all the time. Mm. You're one of those guys at the moment that is building themselves into, you're taking matters into your own hands, by, but doing it from a place of true giving not from what you can get from it, but from what can I give? And I think the universe or the powers that be sense that, see that, align with that. And then when you are aligned with what you're doing, heart, heart, mind, soul, bang, the universe brings it back. You receive and all these things start to come in. So once this thing starts gaining traction, traction and further traction with your podcast, just be aware there's, there's going to be a truckload of stuff that's going to be coming in. And I know I need to be ready for it, which I am. But like I was saying before, I'm just trying to, I've had like a few like alcohol brands, say for instance, want to work with me. I'm just trying to like really make sure I align with people who have that real same core values. Not to say that some alcohol brands don't, but it's just, it looks a bit funny at mental, mental, who is a mental health organization or project being aligned with an alcohol brand. So I'm just trying to take my time and find that right thing. And that's why, that's where I kind of am going with the, wanting to do like little projects with certain brands just little one-offs they might raise a bit of money through a certain product or through a certain thing and then they donate that money directly to the good human then i go and do talks on behalf of them that way for one it kind of shares the love and like i don't want it to be like woolworth gives i mean not to say they offer me a lot of money to go and do talks on behalf of them i would say no but i don't want to be like tied into a contract with someone who feels like sweet we've got this guy you know do it for us like i feel like it should never be solely only promoting one brand if you know what i mean like it shouldn't be something that only is allowed to align with one person it blocks out like i want to work with like a lot of people and show like all the sort of people who want to support projects like this rather than just being like all right who's the highest bidder that wants to be part of this i'm like no i want to 
give everyone an opportunity to have like a small part and go do talks on behalf of them in their communities and their little areas and turn it into something where uh, I feel like there's too much, there's so much competition in the world. I just feel like I don't want to give another avenue for competition. If that makes sense. It's a bit, it's a bit of an obscure way that I've kind of described it, but that's the way my little weird brain works is I want to give people opportunities to show that they're good people really. Well, not even show they're good people. That's like another funny little one that I've had because I'm not set up as a charity. If I get funding or donations or whatever you want to call it, it's not a tax write-off. So I'm straight away if a brand goes, oh, it's not a tax write-off, we don't want to do it. It's kind of like, well, you're not the sort of brand I'd want to work with anyway, unless it's a way that you're saving a bit of money. You know what I mean? Like if you're only doing it because it's a, you know what I mean, a way to skimp on some money, then it, you're probably not the person I want to work with anyway. This whole conversation has been very much, so, um, very much based or rooted in self-awareness. So understanding your values means that when you see those in another brand, you know, at, at the level of that you're at the heart, the whole soul, the mind that you can, then you'll be happy to align with them. For sure. It's a hard one. Values is hard. I don't, I'm not like a, not to say I'm not a huge values guy. I definitely like have, I guess you'd say values, but it's not like specific words. Mine just comes back to be a good human. <laughs> you know, if you're being a good person, like, for me anyway if i'm doing something that feels wrong it's probably wrong if i'm doing something that feels right it's probably right so i just try and act off that intuition and be kind to people and something that this is kind of going a little bit off topic but i haven't really spoken about this but i've been thinking about it a bit lately is like i used to love when my mum would come home and i'd always treat my mum's friends and adults with a lot of respect when i was younger but my mum would come home and be like but like my friends always speak so highly to you but then you like you know what I mean but then at that time behind closed doors I'm still your average kid that's a bit not against their parents but like has arguments and blah blah and I was like fire like I I like that feeling of like knowing my mum gets said nice things about me so I just wanted to like be that guy that I'm not saying I'd put on a show for them I'd just say obviously at home I'm a little bit less sheltered and can be a little bit more free thinking a little bit i guess more immature and makes a bad bit more bad decisions behind closed doors but i was like you know what i want to start being that person that i guess i'm perceived as by my mom's friends and by adults in the community so i was like i'm just going to commit to being that person and yeah i feel great about it well that to me highlights uh you had a vision for yourself and um you know specifically at the time you may not have been feeling the, the worth, the self-worth or the value to ultimately live that 24-7. Now you, you, you can see the value in yourself and the value in the vision of who you want to be and you're stepping forth with, with some real gusto into that area. So inadverted commas, a good human, what, what do you think makes up a good human? Good one. That's the question that I asked all my podcast guests. <laughs> I haven't been asked it for a while. Um, to me, being a good human is, I guess, just being kind to one another checking in on your mates and just having integrity and being the sort of person that for me it all just comes back to you know when you're being a good person or not be the be the good person (laughs) you know i mean obviously we have to do some things that are going to upset people's feelings but i think it's just being really clear and reflecting and taking a moment and being harsh on yourself and being like what sort of person do i want to be like do i want to be the sort of person who's unhealthy the sort of person who puts people down the sort of person who has negative energy literally floating around them or do I want to be the person who like 
looks past and can forgive and be the person who can be friendly to anyone and see that sort of have that empathy and have that perspective that lets you, I guess, I've been lucky enough that I've been around. My dad's an extremely empathetic person and nothing against my mum. She's quite close-minded. So I've had the both ends of the spectrum in my family growing up. And I just really appreciate the way that my dad has handled so many situations in his life. And that's what I take a lot of my kind of, I'm like, yeah, I think that's where I've always grown up knowing, like, if you're doing the wrong thing, like, own up to it and reflect on it and if don't keep doing it. <laughs> Well, yeah, one of the other things you just mentioned is the importance of a role model. You know, as a kid, you can have a hero, someone that, you know, in, in athletic terms or whoever that you, that you look up to, but that role model can be your coach and can be your dad, can be your mom, can be anyone that you look up to in terms of their, the way that they conduct themselves in what they do. Um, so that's super important. The second part of that was the responsibility we talked about before, which is maturity, taking responsibility for your actions, which again, your dad, your role model was someone who lived into that, to someone that you looked up to in terms of the way that he took responsibility. I think those two parts of that are supremely important for any young guy or girl out there to look around, try and find someone that you can emulate and it can be on, it can be on social media. It can be within your own circle of friends. Um, someone that you can look up to, to emulate in terms of the way that they, that they operate and that basically comes down to what you, you also mentioned in terms of values. Cause, and the reason why I touch in because values, if you know your values, ultimately they're the label on what you're feeling, right? And you're saying to be a good human, you know, when you're being a good human and you know, when you're not. So it's that feeling within the body that, you know, you get presented with a binary choice. In my opinion, they're always binary. It's either do this or this. One of them's good. One of them's not good. And the, it's like a muscle. The more you flex the good muscle, the, the stronger your good becomes. And the more you flex the bad muscle, uh, the more, you know, you usually choose the wrong consequence or the wrong decision and, it, and they become stronger. So ultimately, in order to become inherently a better person or inherently good, you just need to be choosing the right choice or the good choice more often. And that comes from that feeling which you mentioned, which we mentioned right at the start of the podcast that the feelings come from the soul, from the heart. In one of those two spaces, if you can really get yourself into feeling into the body when that happens and when it feels a bit off, then it's off. And having clear understanding of your values, if you don't know what they're labeled as, all you need to understand is the feeling. So ultimately the feeling is, like you said, it's, does this feel right when I do this or does it feel wrong? If it feels wrong, don't. If it feels right, do it. Encourage that. Support others to do the same thing. Yeah. For sure. No, I'm fully along that. But I've, I've had a weird little thought. I was just like thinking like when you're talking about my dad and role model, I was like, it kind of stems back subconsciously. I haven't really talked or spoken too much about this publicly or just anything that like, I mean, I have, but my dad like used to suffer depression, I think. And like he, I lost an uncle to suicide when I was about 10. And now I'm just like thinking in my head kind of where the good human factory and where this whole not obsession, but this whole interest in mental health came. My dad suffered depression and like had like had been on medica medicated and stuff kind of through that teenage years of my life. And I think just watching him go through that and losing an uncle to suicide, I was like a little bit subconsciously scared that I was going to suffer from depression and whatnot. So I took a, I guess, forward thinking approach and tried to put all these things in place. And then I've through that, I've grown this knowledge and understanding in it, and that's what I've been going and sharing at schools. I guess it's probably rooted from that fear of 
become, not becoming my dad because my dad's amazing and my dad's a great person, but what he'd gone through, I just was scared. I don't want to go through that. So I put these things in place to avoid it and then hopefully it can inspire other people too as well. And you mentioned there that, that it perhaps it started from a fear and with that fear, you've turned that fear into love, you know, a much more powerful emotion. And as long as everyone out there understands that there is no courage without fear. So a fear may motivate us to do things, to run from something or to run to something. But ultimately, as you said, if there's something that you fear, it can, it can be turned into something positive by leaning into that fear with courage and then seeing it, you know, seeing what comes out on the other side. And I think, like you said, I, I couldn't agree with you more that this is where it's all stemmed from. It all, everything that we, that we hold subconsciously, 95% of our operation subconscious has come from the formulation between, you know, the years that have led us to this point to tie this conversation off at the end there with fear, love and courage, I think is a fantastic way to finish. And I think for people, especially for young people, but even, even older guys or girls that are going through identity issues at the moment with work or with, with anything that's going on with loss and grief in their life or some sort of change or challenge, it is fearful. Fear is, you know, it's a, it's a tough and it's one of the most uh, debilitating feelings that we have and it can can stem some of those feelings that you said before about having you know those negative feelings so to step forth or to lean into that fear with courage and with an open heart to drive through that with love i think is a beautiful way to finish up man and i really appreciate your time and your effort and what you're doing here with the good human factory what you're doing um in in, in just in general and as i said being a good human I think there needs to be more blokes like you out there doing what you're doing, buddy. So really, again, on behalf of myself, but on the wider community, mate, thank you. Um, just to finish off, mate, I usually finish off with five quick questions. You, you want to jump into those? Yeah, let's go. They're a little bit more, they're, they're outside the spectrum a little bit, but um, a little bit of fun. Far away. First question is, um, if you could have anyone over for dinner, who would it be and why? Oh, anyone over for dinner? Who would it be and why? Um, <laughs> oh, it's a weird one, but I'd say Kelly Slater because I've been trying to get him to come on the podcast with me, and he's agreed to it. But now he's been leaving me unseen a bit, so I'd be like, "Come over for dinner, and we'll record a podcast." Because I really want to chat to him about his story in between his what in his gap in world titles, where he took a bit of time off, and the reason behind it. Yeah, I think everyone would want to hear about that. So, Kelly, if you're listening, mate, get in touch with Coop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question number two, buddy. Can you name Ooh, one of your favourite films? Why. And why? Kind of go to Law Abiding Citizen because I've always had a fascination, not with law in general, but that movie just seems like so. Like so, I don't know. I get fascinated by court cases and stuff where people get off because of bullshit and that movie seems like it comes full circle but then it comes back because then really he's been a bad person doing what he's doing as well so it kind of comes full circle but i just think that's really creative and smart i really like thrillers i like smart movies <laughs> yeah more about it. good one yeah some amazing no have you seen the movie primal fear no you haven't okay. oh mate I've just, I've just made your day. Yeah. Primal fear, Ed Norton, Richard Gere. It's court casing. It's and twists and turns. My friend, you're going to absolutely. Okay. Next one. 
Question number three is, is if you could name one of the greatest days or moments of your life. Watching my sister get married a couple months ago in Bali. <laughs> That's unreal. You guys are close? Yeah, me and my sister are pretty close. And like, I don't know, just her, journey, like her boyfriend or her husband now has done some unbelievable things over the last couple of years. So to watch him grow and to watch her grow with him and become, I don't know, grow next to a superstar and still keep her integrity and her be her sort of be the same person she's always been, my beautiful older sister. And yeah, watching her get married was really nice. Beautiful, man. That's, that's an adding grant. Sounds like someone who's in your support network. So that's fantastic. Number four is, is there anything out there or what gets you riled up, gets you annoyed, gets you angry? Oh, I'm a very, I don't get that angry. Eh? I'm, I'm a very like timid person. I hate confrontation, but what gets me angry? I hate seeing people rubbish on the beach. I hate, I hate watching people step over rubbish next to a bin. I'm like, just pick it up. Piss me off. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that annoys me too, mate. Don't worry about that. Um, and we'll lift it out there, buddy. Last one, number five is, um, what is something or at the moment that is that is inspiring you or getting you excited uh, for the future? Nothing crazy in particular, but right now, me and my best mate Alex Hayes have just been like, like I've said plenty of times in the podcast, just been trying to do stuff really daily, really present. And push finding those comfort zones and like pushing past it. Like we've been paddling crazy. Like we paddled, I don't know if anyone's from the northern beaches, but from like the Spit Bridge to um, Collaroy, like from the Spit out the heads, and then from Manly to Collaroy, just on like um, ten foot uh, nipper paddle board. So just doing that and having like a per- like me and him together, he just inspires the hell out of me because he's like. Even if I don't want to do something, it'll not make me do it, but it's kind of like we've got this really healthy competition where we're just like pushing each other to be the best versions of ourselves. So like having that, like that goes back to that friendship group that we were talking about before. I think like the best people to be inspired by are the ones really close by you that you can actually get input and reflection from. Man, that's unreal. As you said, just extending your threshold of personal best is, is what's inspiring you at the moment. That's amazing. It's, it's been it's been really cool because he's a lot better paddler than me, and we're we're hyper competitive in everything we do. But and it's funny, like I'm a professional surfer. And he, he charges charges big waves and surfs really well himself. He used to surf competitively, but he um is a really good board paddler because he used to do nippers. So he like beats me. And, and this is a weird little story, but this is where my kind of mind works as in trying to level up at the moment. Is I used to, I guess, put. Me, Put me six months ago before, or a year ago, if he would like, I'd be losing him because he's like a faster paddler, I'd give up. Not give up, but I'd just be like, well, I'm not going to win anyway. I'll just like do it at a pace that I'm happy with, like not kill myself. Whereas now I've been like, well, I'm not going to win, but why wouldn't I go as hard as I can? Because then I'm going to only get better and I'll get closer the next time. So I'm like, these little mind games that I play with myself while watching him paddle past further than me, it's been like, a good like intri- like internal thing to like, all right, I gotta be I don't know, be that strong guy when nobody's watching. That's the hardest thing to do, I think, be that have that self discipline and have that yeah, I mean, I've got a book on my table next to my bed that says discipline equals freedom by Jocko Willink and just I get I get really inspired actually going back to inspired by a lot of um Navy SEAL I read a lot of books about like Navy SEALs and people who've just got this absolute ironclad mind and I think they're really powerful people. 
Well, yeah, that's incredible because that links back to everything. It's going to seep into the athleticism. It links back to the, the motivation that you have for starting the business in terms of like pushing past the fear and into that love space and having that mind, creating that mind or cultivating that mind that is rock solid so that, you know, it can, anything can bounce off it or anything that gets in can, can be released. So it, it, yeah. as you said, if in terms of inspiration, you are absorbing everything you need at the moment to step forth into that vision of yourself and of, of a professional self that is ultimately going to be what you're going to be doing for many, many years to come, mate. So super excited for you, bro. And I think, um, as I said, anything that this, my, myself or the audience can do to support you, buddy, just reach out and let us know. Cool. Yeah. It's solid. Maybe Kobe Chapman and the good human factor on Instagram and you'll see what we're up to. And yeah, hopefully we can keep making people make good decisions about their mental health. You can follow Cooper on Instagram at Cooper Chapman or at the Good Human Factory. Now, Cooper also has his own podcast called Good Humans, and it is unreal. In the podcast, he sits down with fellow surfers and chats about the challenges that they've been through out of the water. Things like failure, body image, and grief, and what positive things they did to help themselves through these tough times. Things that aren't taught in schools. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over where you get your podcasts, subscribe, and enjoy. Now, as a little bit extra for you guys, the MapLife family, the audience of the MapLife podcast, myself and our sponsors have put together a prize pack. What that contains, some very, very exciting little goodies for you. All you need to do is subscribe and review the MapLife podcast on your iTunes or Spotify, and also follow the three of us on Instagram. Very simple. At MapLife, M-A-P-P underscore L-I-F-E, at Hybration Organics, and at BoardRacks, that's B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X. Until next week, lots of love, lots of fulfillment. Today's episode was produced by Map, building greater athletes, artists, and leaders. Begin the process of achieving your dream by visiting www.maplife, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E dot com.